Think about it. If it's possible, if, you can, if the mind can conceive something, it can achieve it. It's impossible to think an impossible thought. Welcome to the Mind Over Money podcast with Jess and James, the only podcast you need to tune into each week to grow your personal, professional and financial life. Join entrepreneur, investor and multi-award winning international speaker Jesson James as he shows you how to take control of your mind to create the life, income and career you deserve. Here's your host, Jesson James. And welcome everyone to another episode of the Mind Over Money podcast with me, Jess and James. And today I'm super excited because I've got a very dashing, handsome fellow with me right now. Here he is, who's going to talk about something that I don't think is spoken about enough. Um, this person here is someone that's responsible for not only turning his own life around with property and real estate, but being in a position where he's privileged to go and do that for other people. Um, he, he's one of the top, top, top property developers and, and investors here in the UK right now. He's one of the top trainers. And I say top trainers, not just because of the strategies that he teaches, but in the way that he teaches it in a personable human way and not a robotic fashion. Um, he's someone that's created a massive, massive amount of wealth for himself, but other people. And now he gets to live life on his terms. I bring to you the one and only Kevin McDonald, thank uh, you for joining me. Welcome, thank you. And um, that was some introduction. I've well, got to live up to that now. You've got to live up to it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, but um, but no, honestly, I'm I'm really grateful to have you here. Now, the Mind Over Money podcast essentially is about creating wealth. Yep. But going deeper, because I think you know this from educating people, training people. The strategies are always there. It's what stops people from deploying the mm. strategies that gets them stuck, right? So before we deep dive into that, and I'm really curious about exploring some of those concepts around the property world, because I think um, there are so many people out there that are leaving money on the table right now when it comes to property and real estate, just because of what's going on in their yeah. head. And I know you're really good at helping people overcome that and giving them some really cool ways of dealing with that. But just before we go into that, I'm very sure everyone wanna know, who's Kevin? Like, what's your story? Like, right. you know. So, yeah, so Kevin McDonald, I've been in property for, I guess I started back in 2003. Yeah. And when you talk about um, not using knowledge and stuff, I'm one of those people. So I've done, <laughs> I've done property wrong and I've done it right. Sure. And I've had knowledge I've not used and mm. then I've knowledge I've used. And I guess it all started 2003 where um, I was living in a shared house with a, in East London in yeah. a... I came over from Ireland to work for a construction company, but right. in an office job. Yeah, yeah. And I, I moved into a, a room in a shared house that they provided for me. Right. And I was living with four other guys I worked Whereabouts with. Whereabouts in East London, by the In way. literally directly opposite Lakeside Shopping Centre, a place called Chafford 100. No way! Yeah. No way! Oh, so, no, no, very well. All right, very so well. 43 Felipe Road, Chafford 100. Yeah, yeah, I know Chafford 100 very well, yeah. In that house was two guys from the Midlands around Birmingham, yeah. a guy from Newcastle, and a guy from South Africa. And we all worked together during the day, went home in the evening and yeah. ate together and whatever. And the guy from South Africa was a guy called William and he was buying property in South Africa. Mm. So he had come over from South Africa to work in London to make some money to invest in South Africa. Yeah. And he got me interested in property and we went to this event in London one evening. So it was this back in 2003 when events were only like very rare, very few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Facebook wasn't even heard <laughs> of that much. And um, we had Facebook not heard of that much, it wasn't heard of. <laughs> and, uh, was it even around? <laughs> and um, 
we attended this event and a guy was up on stage talking about all these different creative ways to do property deals. And I thought, you know, this is all great. It all made sense. Mm. It resonated. Uh, richest people on the planet make their money in property or invest it into property. Yeah. And I thought, I'm going to do property. But I decided I was Irish, right? Yeah. So I'm Irish. In Ireland, we build houses. Yes, right. <laughs> I've got one brother, 10 years older than me, who built his house. Yeah. And I thought, I don't need to be educated how to buy property. Yeah. I'm Irish, we build the damn things. I'm just going to go buy property. So I went back to East London and at the time, um, I thought, I I was looking for property in and around Thurrock and that sort of area. And I couldn't afford the deposit to buy a house. Mm. So I went back to William, who I identified as my mentor, because he had six deals at the time in South Africa. And I said, "Um, I can't get a property in in around here. Mm. I don't have the money for the deposit. And he said, to mentor me, that's exactly why I'm buying in South Africa. I can't afford to buy here either. Right. So I thought, okay, William is so much more advanced than me. Yeah. He's smarter than me. He's buying property abroad. I'm going to buy property abroad. Right. So I went to the property investor show at the Excel Center, <laughs> and I got introduced to Off Plan Abroad. Right. Okay. And I, I bought in over the next eighteen months. I put deposits down on. So this is two thousand and four five. I put deposits down on a property in Bulgaria, another one in Turkey, and another one in Estonia. Right. All off plan. And within two years more to that i was sitting back i have these properties i'm an international property investor <laughs> um, i'm just waiting for them to be finished right and then the financial crisis happened 2007 mm. the estonia one never got built the bulgaria one completely trashed the turkey one i managed to get rid of but for half what i paid for yeah. it yeah and i ended up with around 135 grand worth of debt on but of debt that I, on money I didn't have, because I got, mm. you, with the off plan, you get in on small stage dependents, yeah, yeah. and then you've got to pay for them later, but I didn't have the money to pay for them later. Mm. So I had credit cards, personal loans oh, gosh. to cover. And um, I then realized that William wasn't buying abroad. William was South African buying in South Africa. Got you. He was buying at home. Right, got you. I was Irish buying yeah, yeah, in Eastern yeah. Europe. <laughs> so, um, so I learned a lot of lessons. I stuck my head in the sand. I had, I, I, when I say I stuck my head in the sand, I stuck my head in the sand, but I stayed close to the fire. So yeah. I was getting emails from people like Rob Moore and Progressive, yeah, and I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was attending the odd, you know, the free event that you'd go to and nick the sweets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was one. doing loads of those. <laughs> and, um, six years went by trying to dig my way out of, mm. out of debt in a job. And in twi- I met a guy at an event in 2007 called um, Cam Devady. Yeah. And Cam was in debt at the time, and he kind of made me feel good about myself <laughs> because he was in more, a little bit more debt than me. And I went to the Property Super Conference at Wembley in 2013. Yeah. Progressive held this big super conference. Yeah, yeah. Now, when I got the email, it said Progressive Property Super Conference, Wembley. And I mean, I thought, been, sorry, apologies to the Irish watching, but <laughs> I thought this was Wembley Stadium. There's a town called Wembley. So, um, <laughs> Not the stadium. <laughs> but it was beside the stadium, but it was yeah. in a hotel room yeah. next to the stadium. So I went because yeah. I thought, well, I like football. If I don't learn anything, at least I'll see the I'll football. And, I, and um, I sat in the room, about over a thousand people. I sat in the room where I'd always sit, down near the back, mm. because if I sit at the back, nobody will ask me a question yeah. and the speakers won't pick on me, etc. And um, I sat there at the back of the room, and on the second day of the event, Rob Moore, the, the, the who was hosting the event, um, he started bringing all of these successful progressive students up yep. on stage. So you, there's a huge stage. Imagine a big arena with over a thousand people. Mm. There was a stage that you could probably fit a hundred odd people on. And he brought a load of people up on stage, and he started handing the microphone around to them. And 
he handed the microphone to Cam Devady. Mm. And Cam Devady said, a few years ago, I was in massive debt. I found Progressive. I've now built a multi-million pound property portfolio. Mm. I've got myself out of debt. I'm making eight grand a month yeah. income. Yeah. And I'm sitting in the room, still with my excuses. Still with excuses. You know that guy. Yeah. Yeah, and you've seen him do it. I'm sitting there going, I knew him when he was in debt. And yeah. I kind of needed, I needed to see somebody who I knew was in my position to believe that I could. Because before that, I, in my mindset, and this is mind over money, mm. my mindset was, you need money. No matter how many people had said to me, knowledge is power, um, your connections, your, com your you know, collaborations, yeah, etc. Yeah, yeah. Um, use your time wisely. Mm. I'd always go, yeah, but I don't have the money. I've got this debt. And um, I probably had at that stage, from 2007 to 2013, I'd probably reduced my debt to, it was still over 100 grand, so mm -hmm. I probably took it down about 30K. Yeah but still had the debt. Yeah. And I sat there over the weekend, not really listening to the knowledge. I used to mm. go to events listening to knowledge, but I sat there having a, a, a chat with myself about, I spent six years, I've dropped the debt by about 30K. Mm. I'm gonna be 70 odd by the time I cleared the debt. <laughs> um, this guy had more money in the debt than me and now look at him. And I kind of went like, what the hell is wrong with you? When mm. are you gonna actually do something, do about, something it. about it? Yeah. And that for me was the catalyst to get me going. Um, I, I invested in a mentor for myself, got educated and focused on, I was in debt, I focused on cash flow. Mm. I needed to get cash. I couldn't yeah. think about buying houses, so I just focused on creative stuff. And one of the first things I did was a strategy called rent to rent, yep. which is take control of someone else's house and yep. get cash flow. Yep. And I wasn't trying to build a big business or become a millionaire, and I just wanted to get out of debt. Mm. Just get out of debt. And um, within 12 months, I'd replace my income. Had a choice to leave the job. Yeah, good. And my target was replace my income, leave my job. And then mind over money again. <laughs> right? I went, but if I leave my job, it'll all go wrong because it all went wrong Security, before. Yeah. So I thought I'd double my income. And I actually stayed in my job so long that I had mentors here at Progressive saying, um, when are you quitting your job? You need to quit your job. Mm -hmm. And the final mindset bit was, I, I remember speaking to a guy called David Siegler one day and I said, David, I can't. And he said, what do you mean you can't? I said, I've got a company car. Yeah. <laughs> And he just like looked at me as if I was the most, like I was from another planet. <laughs> so I had a company car from Langer Works. I used to drive around construction yeah, sites yeah, yeah. and a fuel cart. And I thought that this was the best thing ever. Yeah. The reality is, was it was a chain that was keeping me in the mm. job. I took on one deal and the income from one deal leased a car. Yeah. But I just had to have somebody else tell me. Tell you that what to do to make me do it differently. And, I, and, and that meant I, once I had freedom of the company car mindset, <laughs> I could then just go and do leave the want. job and do what I want and continue to scale the business. So now that's a quick version or a slow version maybe of, <laughs> of my 2000. That was the Irish version. Yeah. My, 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 um, so I, I've, I've done it without training. I've done it without support. I screwed it up. I spent time with my head in the sand yeah. thinking that you needed money and I, I always say the worst thing that ever happened to me was losing money in Eastern Europe, mm. but it was also the best thing that 100%, ever happened to me. 100%. Because when I came back in 2013, I had no choice but to think creatively. Mm. And I focused on creative strategies like lease option agreements, exchange delayed completions, assisted sales, yeah, yeah. Um, vendor finance, so raising money from the owner of the house, private finance, yeah. because I didn't have my own money. And mm. I often see people and they're, they're almost focused on their money in their bank account rather than the opportunity out of the there. deal Absolutely. and the opportunity out there and the the money and this is why this podcast so is the money and you've got it even written bigger in front bigger. of you. Absolutely. Uh, the, money. the mind 
often the money in your bank account stops you from achieving your goals. If you're focused on your own money, mm. I also people come to me and they say, "What? How? You know, I've got fifty grand. What should I do with it?" And they're, they're expecting me to say, "Buy this house in this area or do this thing." And I always say to them, "Well, what if you did that? What if you did what the ex, the expected answer? How are you going to do deal number five, deal number twelve, deal number twenty-one? Because if you can't do deal number five or deal number twelve or deal number twenty-one, what's the point in doing deal number one? Exactly. Because you go from you go from money in your bank account." No Happy. property and a job yeah. to no money, one property and a job yeah. because you don't have the plan. That's right. So it's to fix the mind. 100%. And I, and I love I love that. And obviously, we'll, we'll dive more into this in a second because you, you you know, not only have you done this for yourself, you now get to educate other people on, on doing this. And you touched on resourcefulness there um, because you didn't have a choice. Yeah. Like you, and, and it goes back to that thing of, you know, you never know how strong you are until being strong is the only option you've got, right? People get very resourceful when their back's mm. up against the wall. And, you know, I, I think for me, people, especially in property, and this is just my take on it, I think in property, I've been in situations before when I'm talking to people like landowners, I'm talking to a- agents. And, um, and before I went in that meeting, I, I really needed to have a conversation with myself about understanding that I bring value to that equation as well. So when I'm talking to investors, for example, my mindset's completely shifted now in a sense that, yeah, I might be leveraging your money, but you're leveraging me. Therefore, I'm using OPM, you're using OPK, other people's knowledge, right? So, but I had to get in my head and build my self-worth up Mm. to go into that conversation because, and you probably see this a lot where, People who get into property, people get educated and they don't have their own money or would like to use other people's, they put investors on the pedestal, right? Yeah. They put them up there like they're, they're, they're God, the Messiah, whatever it might be. And they forget that you also bring mm. value to that equation. And I always tell people to you know, understand that before you go into that conversation. 100%. And so what, what tips could you give someone right now if they were looking to get into property, they're looking to get into investing, Maybe they've got, a, you know, because obviously when you talk about investors, they could be close to home. They could be family yeah. members. They could be partners. They yeah. could be, you know, people that you know. Could be your grand. Could be whoever. But there's also strangers as well. So, what tips can you give someone to elevate their self worth before they go into yeah. a conversation? I touch a few things there because you said about like resourcefulness and mm. stuff and how you know I I no I had no choice but to keep going. The reality is I I'm, I meet people all the time and they go, um, you know, backs against the wall. You've got no choice but to keep going. I quit. Mm. for six years mm. i quit for, from 2007 to 2013 i just did nothing wow. and and it it needed the right time the only thing i did right in the i always said the only thing i did right in my first 10 years was i didn't quit but the reality is for six of them i quit yeah yeah but i i was in so much debt that i had no choice but to keep going the pain had, built up. had i lost 20 grand i'd have earned my way out of it yeah and never yeah. touched property again yeah, yeah but i learned through trying to save my way out of debt mm. that i after six years, I'm a slow learner. <laughs> After six years, that I had no choice but to keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that I wanted to keep going. Not that I was resourceful or anything yeah, else. Yeah. I just had no bloody choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes that's the back against the wall part. It's not that mm. you're any. Some people go, well, I don't have that resourcefulness. You get it from having no other choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's that. And then the the raising the money. You want to almost write this down and burn it into your brains. Is Poor people spend their time trying to save money mm. and wealthy people spend their money trying to save time. I love that. So w- people with money, they need your knowledge. Mm. They need your time. And also when you network, I, I'm, I do events. You, you know, regularly do events. And if people come to an event and then you'll say, 
um, you know, are you coming again? They go, no, I've seen it before or something. <laughs> but it's different people in the room. Yes. And the most important thing is not necessarily, I used to go to networking events mm. and I'd show up and local networking events, wherever maybe I'd show up and I'd base how good the night was on how good the speaker was. It's called a networking event. Yes. It's not called it's a not come, and, come yeah. and listen to the speaker event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a networking <laughs> event. So you've got to make, every time you go to an event, you might pick up one bit of knowledge that's mm. beneficial or two or loads, yeah, yeah. but you're meeting new people who are on the same journey. And there's people that go there with money that are looking to find you. There's people that go there looking for the knowledge. Yeah. Um, you can create time. Time's creatable. It's, when I say creatable, we all have 24 hours in a day. Mm. But if you work in 50 and sleep, I, I mean, I meet people that go, I'm working really, I've got I've no time. And then you find out and they're working 40 hours. But you know, I met a lady once, I'll give you, she's working three jobs. <laughs> she says, I've got three jobs, I've got no time. When we broke it down, the three jobs weren't even 40 hours put together. <laughs> okay? So just, sometimes people create these excuses they in their do. heads that they don't have time. But if you sleep in 50 and work in 50, mm then you've got another 68 free hours. Yeah. And do you know what? Waste 60 of them. You only really need eight hours a week. If you had eight hours a week working smart in property, mm. you can make money from property. Yeah, yeah. But the knowledge and the time are way more important than the money. Mm. The person with the money, typically wealthy people, they either don't want to do it themselves or actually they've made their wealth in something else, another business, whatever it may be. They don't have time to do it themselves. Yeah. So they, they own businesses, they own um, companies, they... they they own their time and they just want to have somebody else do it, do it for, for them, them and get a share. And that's where you come in. And that's where you come in. Yeah, yeah. And, and you bring your knowledge and your time to help them and they need you way more than you need the money. Mm. I mean, the person with the money typically puts the money in. Yeah. The property, I don't want to put you off property, but you're, <laughs> you're learning about property, you're learning your area, you're finding the deals, you're analyzing the deals, you're negotiating the deal, you're speaking to brokers, you're speaking to solicitors, you're finding refurb teams, you're getting different quotes from different refurb teams. The refurb teams are managing the whole process. You're managing the refurb team. Are mm. you managing the manager who's mm. managing the team? Mm. You, you've then got to find the tenants and maybe find a letting agent to manage the tenants if you want to work smarter with your time. Yeah, yeah. But you've got all this stuff to do. The money person's just putting the money in. Yeah. And it's, but we pedestalize the money because we pedestalize the thing that we don't have, yes. and we st instead of focusing on the thing we do have, mm. which is very valuable to someone else. And it's interesting, if you're in a room of people and you ask them, raise your hand if you find it difficult to find money, mm. and a bunch of hands go up. And then I say, now keep your hand up and ask yourself this question. Have you ever tried? Mm. And the very hands that are up that said they're difficult to raise yeah. money, 80% yeah. of the minimum have never actually tried. tried. So their mind has told them it's difficult, they've not even tried. Took themselves out of the game before they yeah. started. Before they've started. So um, it's not difficult to raise money, no. it's difficult to try. And that's the Mind Over Money podcast. This is what we're talking about. We're like, the strategies are there and you teach people to do these strategies and they still get in their own way, which is, which is worrying. Understandable, because human beings are trained to go the other way and play small and not go into all of this stuff. But in your experience, what's the number one excuse you've had when it comes to, not just in property, but when it comes to making more money in general? Because people complain a lot about their job, don't earn enough. Mm. They complain about their business not paying them enough or whatever it might be. What, what would you say is the number one excuse you've come across from people when it comes to making money? Honestly, it's not even an excuse. It's this thing that you hear all the time. If it was that easy, everyone would do it. <laughs> 
that's the very reason everyone doesn't do it. There you go. They, they, they tell themselves, if it was that easy, everyone, there must be a catch. If it was that, mm. if, why is everyone not doing that? Yeah. And you talk yourself out of it before you've even tried. You think it's too easy? Too easy. It must yeah. be a catch. It can't be that easy. Yeah. Can't, it can't be just that. They can't, there's not people. You can, where would you find these people? You can't find these people. Yeah. Um, shit, it's like, I meet people every day and it's like talking to my mum. Mm. It's like, <laughs> It's it's, it's it's like my dad. My dad's got this conspiracy theory about absolutely everything. Um, so it's pointless trying to you know, get get some rational or logic going on with him. But but it, it's sad because I think when people are presented with opportunities to increase their well, what, you know their wealth and make more money, um, unfortunately, all of these these previous experiences that they've had, they they overlay them onto that opportunity, yeah. and unfortunately, they don't move forward. For example, yeah. let's be honest. Let's not dress it up. You know, we're in an industry where people have probably bought courses before. They've probably invested in mentorship before. Maybe you've you know, invested in a coach or a course or program and maybe it left a sour taste in your mouth. Maybe it didn't give you the result you were looking for, wherever it might be. And then they meet Kevin and they meet Jesson and they go, oh, you're just another one of those guys, aren't you? Just another one of those people who are gonna give us something else that we've already seen. And I think unfortunately, people generalize so much based on previous experience, that yeah. they miss what's going on right now before them. And with all due respect, yeah, you may have tried somebody else. Yes, you may have gone and got education before. Maybe like you, you've dabbled in property before and you got stung, but that doesn't mean that that's the end of the road, right? Mm. And, and I think if people can get out their way and go, what did I learn from that so that I can do something differently now that will get me a better result in the future, mm. then I think a lot more people will make a, a, a lot more money. So I guess what I want to ask you is, if someone's sitting at home right now, maybe someone watching this right now, listening to this right now, and they have tried maybe even property education before, they've tried courses before, and it hasn't gone the way they want it to, yeah. what advice would you give to someone right now? Stop looking back and look forward. Mm. Um, in this, I'll give you a few examples. So I tried, I did, lo I did lots of different trainings and stuff through the 2000s. Yeah. And I didn't implement it. Hmm. It wasn't that the training didn't work. I didn't implement it. However, That's I've true. also done trainings where I've sat something and I thought, I already know that, I already know that, I already know that. But I met somebody who became a connection that we did something else with. There you go. So sometimes it's not just the, the knowledge you get in the room, it's the people mm -hmm. you meet. And often as well, it's when you hear something. I, I sat in an event once and every time the speaker said something, and this is when, when I thought I knew everything, I used to think I knew everything, now I'm smart enough to know I never will. Yeah, yeah. But when I thought I knew everything, I'd sit in the room and the speaker would be saying something, I'd be like, oh, I know that. Yeah. I know that. And then I'd be, I'm always tapping myself on my shoulder going, oh, I know that. Yeah. And never once did I say to myself, am I implementing it? Mm. Because I knew it, but I wasn't using it. I know what I know, I don't yeah. do what I, do. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not doing it. So yeah. um, if you've done stuff in the past, shit, I'm, I was going to give you a really shit example, but I'm, I'm going to share it now because I've said it because I think of what was a shit Keep example. Keep it real. Right, really, right. <laughs> if you went into a takeaway and bought a burger that was only half cooked, would that mean you'd never eat another burger? No, you'd go to another Absolutely takeaway not. and buy another burger because yeah. you know the burger, eventually you'll get a nice burger. Yeah. Property we know works. Business we know works. Whatever it may be, whatever, whether it be property, whether it be another business, whatever it might be, if somebody else has done something, and made it work, you can too. 100%. You can too. You just have to tweak what you're doing and implement it. Mm. But it, so if you've tried something in the past and it didn't work, it's very easy. I blamed everyone. I blamed 
the Bulgarian, I, I, I bought a copy of the Bulgarian Mafia. Um, <laughs> I didn't know at the time. It wasn't a plan. It just found out after. And I blamed the people in the Excel Center for selling me the deal. Yeah. I blamed the, the solicitors in Bulgaria yeah. that were currently paired off for not protecting me. I, I, I blamed the Bulgarian Mafia. Mm-hmm. I blamed everybody and anybody. And the reality was that it was my choice. Yeah. I signed a contract. I went to the Excel, Property Investor Show. I signed a contract that was written in Bulgarian that I couldn't even understand. Mm. But I chose to buy a property that I hadn't even seen. It wasn't recently, if you're wondering, it's like <laughs> 20 years. But all of this stuff, it was my choice. And sometimes you have to wake up and realize, you know what, it was my choice. And sometimes the choices you've made were not the right choices. Yeah. And sometimes you were given opportunities that maybe you didn't take. But you have to look and go, okay, how much time have I got left? Somebody said something to me recently. He said, a friend of his said to him, do you know what? We've only, it was a guy called Chris, Chris Sinkerton. He said, his mate said to him one day, do you know what, Chris? You've only got 15 good summers left. And he thought about it. He's in his mid forties yeah. and he went, he only had 15 summers where he could go on holidays with his kids really before he's, not that if you're watching this and you're 60, they're not going to be good summers, <laughs> but he, fe- he really resonated with them in terms of he's got to do something now. Mm. And I wasted six of mine yeah. doing nothing mm. before I got restarted, um, blaming the world for all my problems. When at the end of the day, every cho- everything that's ever happened in your life, who's there, and I'm talking to myself rather than everybody else, yeah. what a, everything that we've made, every decision we've made, everything's happened in our life as a result of the choices that we've made. 100%. And every decision we make going forward is... What, what comes from it. Yeah. Now, I'll give you an example, which is, we, we always focus on the, the negatives, the downside. Mm. Well, I lost money I didn't have in Eastern Europe. And then I left London and moved up to Nottingham to, because I thought property would be cheaper in Nottingham. I moved there in 20, 2009. Mm-hmm. I still did nothing by 2013. <laughs> so I moved the area, because it wasn't the area. The area you that was wrong. Problem. This was the area that was wrong, <laughs> yes. not the area of the country. That's the only postcode that needs sorted out. And you hear this all the time, oh, my, my area is too expensive, I can't do the stuff here, this is your area. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I moved north, and when I came to, I was renting when I moved north, and when I came to Progressive, I realized I was renting a room in a HMO, paying mm. for it. I needed a, my first deal was to take on a property, live in it myself and rent the other rooms out. Right. So I rented the other rooms out, and one of the tenants that I rented a room out to is now my wife. All right. <laughs> right. So had I not gone to the property investor show, yeah. had, had I not moved into a property in London where William was living in, mm. I would probably never have interest in property. Yeah. Had I not gone to the property investor show, I would never have bought in Eastern Europe. Had I not bought in Eastern Europe, I'd never have lost 135 mm. grand. Mm. But if none of that ever happened, I'd never have moved to Nottingham. I'd never have rent, done a rent-to-rent deal, and I've never have met my wife and have the kids I have today. There you go. It's all connected. So everything bad that's all ever happened in your bad. life, you focus on the bad instead of seeing all the good that comes from mm. it sometimes. Mm. And I often say to people, do you know what? If you went to an event about a subject just to figure out that's not what you want to do, that's worth That's fine too. Yeah. It's a lesson. You buy your most expensive investment in your life, a property, yeah. and do it wrong. Yeah. I, if I could go back and wish that I had met, gone to that training first instead of doing it and making the mistakes, mm. great. But if I had... Yeah. I wouldn't have my kids than my wife. You wouldn't have the life you've got today. So 100%. everything happens for a reason. And what we do is we keep looking back. The thing about looking back is you can never change the past, mm. but you absolutely can change the decisions yeah, yeah. you make today. And just because it didn't work before doesn't mean it won't work again. Yeah. That was a quick, long answer to your I, question. I, I love the answer, but essentially, you know, there's a lot of people 
looking in the rear view, rear view mirror, trying to go forwards, and you're you're going to crash. Yeah, you're, you're going to crash. You're, you're going to crash. And I think that's that's that hindsight's a beautiful thing. But what have I learned from it? That's that's really important. Mm. You know. So I I absolutely love that because it puts people on the side of cause, not effect. You know. What have I learned from that? How can I stop it from happening again? That, rather than pointing fingers. And uh, one of my mentors once told me, whenever you point one finger at someone, there's three pointing right yeah, back at you, yeah. right? So, you know, so, so look, look, I really want people to get value from, from you um, right now. And one of the things that I love about you and what you teach, Kevin, is that you teach resourcefulness and it gives people who would usually write themselves off in wealth creation, not just property, based on their background, their upbringing, how many zeros they got in the bank. Because a lot of people look at you know, property and they go, well, I'm poor, I don't have any money, um, you know, I got poor credit, I got this, I got that. And they take themselves out of the game. And then you come along and you show them all these creative strategies that you had to learn by force because you didn't have the, you know, yeah. the, the income to start off with. And, and you showed them a better way. And what I love about that is in property, in my opinion anyway, I mean, you're the expert, but in my opinion, there are only two ways to make money in property. Control your own assets or control other people's. If you chunk it up. Yep. And controlling other people's is a very, very lucrative way of doing it without you having the asset, you know, the capital to, yeah. to, to, to start off with. Now, obviously, there's lots of, you know, creative ways, assisted sales, lease options, you know, rent to rents, all these kind of strategies. So, first of all, if someone was to go into any of these creative strategies, as in using other people's money, yeah. controlling other people's assets, and obviously, let's say they've, I don't know, they've got some knowledge or they've, they've seen it happen or they've been to one of your courses or your programs or whatever it might be. What's the first thing they should do in their mind, in their head, before they pick up the phone and go and do a deal or try and look for a deal? Because like, what would you, what top tips could you give someone to prime themselves, to put themselves into a good state? Because you mentioned earlier on about, you know, how you are, if you're in a bad place, you're going to make bad decisions and all that kind yeah. of stuff. What would you do to prime them? Because like, it's the nerves, the nerves kick in. Like you mm. come along and go, look, just ring that person up. They're struggling with their property. Yep. They're struggling, they're behind on their mortgage payments. You could come along, take it over for them, give it an uplift, share the, share the uplift, wherever it might be. You don't even have to get a mortgage, you don't have to do anything. You just literally you know, switch mm. it over, you make a wad of cash, you save on a stamp duty, you do all that kind of stuff. Da, 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 da. Sounds fantastic. And then they leave your training room and they're like, Oh shit! What the hell do I do now? What do I do now? Yeah. You know. So, what would you what would you say to someone in that situation? Because again, mind yeah. over money. That 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 mindset is stopping them making that money, mm. and that money's to be had. Well, what typically happens is people have spent years thinking about it, and then I mean, like they take all of this time thinking, mm. and then they decide I'm going to do it, and then they want an instant result, mm. and they show up on a training, and then they think they're going to walk into the first house, the for the first house they've ever viewed. Yeah. They're going to make an offer. Yeah and get that offer agreed. Yeah. Uh, the first time they visit an estate agent, they're gonna walk in, make an offer, get the <laughs> offer get agreed. agreed yeah. right? The first time you do it is gonna be your shittest, <laughs> unless you get lucky. It's gonna be the worst. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're nervous, you're not fully, you, you don't fully understand the process yet, because yeah. there's the training, but then there's the implementation of it. Yeah. And in a job, if, if you're listening to this now, ask yourself a question, am I in a job? And then ask yourself, am I better at the job today than I was the day I started? And the reality is, you probably are. Yep. And the reason is because you stuck to the job. You stuck to the job till you got better. The first day on the job, you were probably nervous. You were wondering, I don't know if I changed the job. I stayed in, by the way, I was so like not doing stuff. I stayed in Langer work for 14 years in that job <laughs> because I was afraid to change job in yeah, case yeah. I, they didn't like yeah, me and sack me. Yeah, yeah. So you stay in your comfort zone. True. So you stay in your job. 
you sit there and you think, um, will they like me in the new job? Will they, will they um, sack me after, will they find me out and get rid of me after 12 week probation, whatever it may be. So you don't do, you, you, you get through that period of time, you do the change, you get through that period of time, and after a period of time, you get better at your job. Your line manager helps you get better at your job. The other work colleagues help you get better at your job. Well, your line manager is your mentor. I meet people and they say to me, I never had a mentor. Yes, yeah. you did. Yeah. Your parents were your first mentor. Yes. Right? You've had a mentor all your life. You've either had a mentor holding you back or one pushing you forward, yeah. but we're all been mentors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 100%. You're, you, you get better at your job and you're stuck at your job. Why? Because you have to pay your mortgage at the end of the month and you quit on your dreams. True. You quit on your dreams. True. So don't even know what the question was, but <laughs> you, 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 quit, you quit on your dreams by because it was safer. People say, I don't want to take the risk. Mm. But actually, you're taking the biggest risk because you know that you're running out of summers. That's what you're really risking. Yeah. You're running out of summers. Yeah. You're 15 good summers left. Yeah, yeah. You, the cliff is coming at some point. The big, if you do the numbers, nobody does the numbers on yeah. what are you taking home every year? Mm. What are you taking home? How much money have you got? You quit on your dreams. Mm. Now, if you know that, then you come back to your question, which was, how do you get the mindset right to do the first viewing mm. to go into the property? I always say to people, take all the pressure away. Yep. Stop. You come out of a training, you decide you want to do property and you're expecting the quick win. Yep. I want to get the first deal. Just get rid of it. Yeah. Just go, I'm going into this property to practice. Yeah, have some fun. Just have some fun and practice. Yeah. And you're going in there. So I always say to people, the best thing you could actually do to really make this real is go to a town outside of your area where you're shitting it that they say yes. <laughs> you go to a town where it's not your town, it's not your area, you don't want the deal. And it's amazing that mm. when you go to somewhere where you don't want the deal and you go in with a completely relaxed environment because you're worried they might say yes, you suddenly get a yes. Then all you have to do is take that home. <laughs> By the way, you can sell that deal and still get paid to somebody who wants go. it. Deal so you're packaging. still getting paid, deal package it. Yeah, yeah. But you take away all the stress, you take away all the pressure. Mm. You, and you just can relax, just like you relaxed in the job when you got to month four, yeah. when you knew you'd got your full-time contract or whatever it may be. Take the pressure so away. Take the pressure away. So stop trying to chase the deal and just chase the practice. You, you might view 10 houses, and people say, I viewed 10 houses, I didn't get a deal. But I bet you know your area better. Mm. You know negotiation better. You know objections better. You, you know what not to say yeah. that screwed the deal up. Definitely. So you got all this knowledge. And in property, whether you get the house and the business, mm. property, you build, you build a foundation, then you build the walls, then you put a roof on if you were building a house. It's the same thing if you're a property investor. The foundations are the, the viewings, the learning the area, the knowing your rents. You should know, if you're thinking about property, you need to know the, the room let rates in your area, the, the single let rates, the, the, you know, what pe house they're selling for, what two beds sell for, three mm. beds sell for, four beds sell for. That you numbers. need to know all your numbers. You need to know the good streets, the bad streets. <laughs> you, know, you need to know the power team, the builders, the electricians, the plumbers. That's what I call building your foundation. Yeah. And when you know all of that stuff, then you can start to build the, the walls, which is the cash flow. Mm -hmm. But most people quit after what happens is they do a training, one or two months pass by, they do three or four viewings, and then they go, that didn't, didn't, work. Work. didn't work. I'm going to try something else. Give up. I'm going to try something else. Um, you've, not even, you've quit before. You've seen the picture of the guy digging for gold. Yeah, yeah. You've quit before you've, while you're still building your foundation. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Exactly. It so, so I'd say take all the pressure away and just go to a town yeah. that you don't want to deal in <laughs> and have some fun.
and you probably get a yes. You get you what they do. You get people do this and they get a yes and they go, they ring me up and go, what the fuck do I do? Well, and I, do. I, say, <laughs> I say that on a podcast. Say, <laughs> what do can. I do now? <laughs> but it's hilarious because it, it's that whole. You know, I always teach when I teach people sales, and even going to do a viewing, you're still selling the agent on why they should give you the property. Right? So everything's a sale. And I tell people when it comes to selling, detach yourself from the outcome. Yeah. Because like you said, it takes the, the pressure mm. off. Because if, if you need something, you never tr- generally get what you need, right? It's like needing a bus. When you need a bus and you're running late, what happens? You no bus. bus stop. No freaking bus. You wait for ages. What happens when you don't need a bus? Four of them there. Yeah, exactly. Four <laughs> of them go by and we go, well, what happens? It's because you detach yourself from the outcome. And I think a lot of people, they, they're, so, they're so needy of money that they actually repel it. Yeah, and that's that's something that I see a lot, a lot mm. happen. You know, so there's there's one there's one more question I wanted to ask you, Kevin, because because I was like I was really excited when they told me you're going to jump on the show because I, I thought you know I'm really going to ask you this question because I've I've heard you talk about it before, and I think a lot of people benefit from it because we're living in a world where yes, this is the mind over money show, but you know money has no meaning apart from the one you attach to it, and seeing us here in in England, we always talk about you know our home being our castle, you know an Englishman's castle, you know. A lot of people, unfortunately, they're not living in their dream home. They're not living in the house that they'd like to live in. And I, and I, I truly believe that you should live in a space that, you know, lights you up, makes you happy because it's hard enough out there. Yeah. And when you come home, you want to make sure you're somewhere where you feel safe, comfortable. It's open. You're happy. And a lot, I believe a lot of people are living in places that don't light them up. They're, they're actually bad for their mental health and their mental well-being. And obviously, being an ex-psychiatric nurse, I've got a big, big passion about you know helping people with their mental, mm-hmm. mental you know challenges and stuff. And I once I heard you speak about um, people being able to live in their dream home without actually having to buy it yet. Yeah. Right. And that's the strategy you te- you teach people. But obviously, we can't go into that now. Clearly, you've got to hang out with this guy if you want to learn that stuff. But you know, in a chunked up way. Yeah. How is that even possible? Okay. How can someone live in their dream home without even having the money to buy it yet? Okay, so I've done this now um, in different ways, but I've done it three times on the simple way, and then yeah. there's more, you can get more creative on what you do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but think about this, people, when you spoke about stuff there, things that came to my mind is people are living in one-bed flats, mm. and they're choosing how many kids they have based on the size of their house. They're, wow. There's people, there's people that are, um, maybe, maybe this resonates with you. are living in an area, school, you've got two kids, maybe. You're in a school catchment area, your youngest child starts, your oldest child starts school. Hmm. Then the landlord you're renting from says to you, I've got to sell the house, you're going to have to move. You've got to move, you can't find another, school in the school ca- another house in the school catchment area, so you move out of the school catchment area. Your oldest school has started school in that school catchment area. Mm. The youngest child goes to start school. Oh, they go right. to the same school. What does the school say? I'm sorry, you're the, the si- sibling cannot go to this school because you're not in the school catchment area, your address. They're going to have to go to a different school. Now, busy parents have got one kid going to one school, one kid going to another. So then they go to the oldest kid and they say, I'm really sorry, we're going to have to take you away from your friends put you and put you over in this school. And this is happening all across the country. And it's because when, let me ask you a question. Because you've been asking a lot of questions, I want to ask you. <laughs> why don't? Why does everybody not buy their home? Because they say they can't afford it. They can't afford it. Yeah. It. It. Yeah. They can't afford it. What is it? What is it that? Mm. They, what does it mean? What is the it they can't afford? In their head, that the, particular house. Ah no. no. See, it's not that they can't afford the house. It, right? Would you agree, Jesson, that they are paying more, and you can nod from home, are they paying more 
in rent than they would in a mortgage. 100%. So they can't afford the house. 100%. So what's it? They can't mm, afford the... The payments. The, not, the pay, not the monthly payments. They can't afford the... De- the deposit. 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 They can't afford the, the deposit. They can't afford to get in. In fact, if they the got in... would add up to the mortgage payment yeah, anyway. If they got in, yeah, yeah, yeah. they could easily afford the monthly payments because mm. they're already paying more. Yeah. So they can't, af- the it, they can't afford it is the deposit. Not the house. So what if they could move in today mm. where they could rent and pay their deposit over a period of time, mm. allowing them to buy later? So what we do is we help people get into a property today as a tenant buyer where they pay a small payment up front. So most people need maybe a 5, 10% deposit. Yes. If let's say, um, now the government introduced 95% mortgages. What they should have said, it was a, that was a vote winner in the election. What they should have <laughs> said was 95% mortgages that are absolutely useless for 95% of people. <laughs> and the reason for this is if, think about it. In a residential home, a bank will lend you maybe five times your salary. Yeah. So if you're earning 40 grand, five times your salary is Four, 40 times 200. five, 200 grand. Yeah. So a bank will lend you 200 grand. Now, if you're looking to buy a house for 240 grand, a bank will lend you up to, would lend you up to 90%. 90% of 240 is 210. Okay? So they can't lend, you can't get it because the bank, you, you're only earning 200. They'll so only lend you 200, but you need anyway. to, so you need it. Yeah. So now when the, bank, when the bank says we'll lend you 95%, that doesn't make it easier. That means now you, you need to borrow 230. You can only borrow 200. Yep. So the 95% mortgage makes it harder. The thing that needed to go up was your income, mm. not the amount you can borrow. No. So it doesn't, doesn't solve sense. the problem. So a lot of people need the 90% mortgages are bigger. Maybe they've got 5% saved, they don't, they're 3% saved. So they've tried and tried and tried to buy a property. So what we do is we say, okay, rent the property off us today, mm-hmm. but agree a future purchase price. So we lock in a future purchase price so they've got a stake in the ground, they know yep. exactly what they're going to be paying. They pay a small upfront payment, which is, goes towards their deposit. They, they then pay market rent as normal, yep. and they pay what's called a top-up. And the top-up bit goes towards, goes the, towards the deposit. So they can pay a little bit upfront and the monthly top-ups, and as soon as they've saved 10%, they go to the bank to get the 90% and they buy. Mm. What that means is the person that's living in the one-bed flat Think about this. They move. People move six, seven times in their life. They yeah, move from yeah. a one-bed flat to a two-bed to a one-bed, two-bed house, a three-bed house, four-bed yeah. house. And I'm really passionate about this, but it yeah. annoys me because. Really? <laughs> they, but they spend yeah. 50, 60, 100 grand on stamp duty, finance, moving costs, all this stuff. So how many times they do that? Yeah. yeah. But they could have moved into the three-bed, four-bed house today, yeah. and then all of that money could have gone towards yeah. their purchase instead of having to move, sell, buy moving. to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does the government say? Get on the ladder. Why? The ladder. Stamp duty money to the 100%. government. 100%. Yeah, sales money to the government. And then they keep on taking so, more and more yeah. and more and more. More and more. So you can get into your dream home today, rent it and buy it over a period of time. You can have the kids you want to have. Mm. You can have it in the school catchment area. Mm. You're locked in. So no landlord can say to you, I'm sorry you're selling. Because we give our tenant buyer the right, the right to buy, but not the obligation to yeah. buy. Yeah. We're obligated to sell. Mm. So they have literal control of their home just like a car. It's like a lease on a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got the option to buy They've it. They've got the option to buy it, yeah, yeah. which gives them flexibility, we'll freedom, and it's so much better than things like shared ownership. Yeah. People get trapped in the shared ownership trap. God, I've seen that so many times. It's Ridiculous. nuts. Yeah. The problem with shared ownership is the percentage, mm. because they move in for a 25% share. Now, let's say they move into a 200 grand house. 
25% is 50 grand. Mm. I wish I had a flip chart, but 25, 20, 200 grand house, 25% is 50 grand. Yeah. So they're 150 grand off one in the whole house. Yeah. House goes up to 300 grand. Yeah. Their share went up to, because it's a percentage, their 25% of 300 went up to 75. Yeah. They were only 150 grand off owning mm. when they were at 200. 200. Now they're 225 grand off owning. Off owning. Right? Because it's Shocking. gone up. Shocking. So they're getting with shared ownership as the house prices go up and they go up. Mm. You're going further and further and further away from ever being able to buy. Yeah, yeah. With rent to buy, we're locking in a set price. Mm. So they, That's it's how not much a, it's worth. At it's the not end a of, percentage. Yeah. And if they add value to it, paint it, decorate it, put a new kitchen in, do an, do an extension, they're adding value to their own home. Yeah, if you take the shared ownership example, um, let's say it's a 300 grand house and they sp- a 200 grand house and they spend 20 grand doing it up and make it worth 280. But they're giving 75 percent of that away. Which is if they spend 20 yeah. to make 80, yeah, yeah. they spend 20 to make 20, yeah. and they've created 60 more debt. It's crazy. They, they, they've yeah. made nothing. Yeah, yeah. So you can't even do up. If you add value to your own house and shared ownership, it's of no benefit to you. Yeah. It actually creates you a problem. Yeah, yeah. So is it really a home? Yeah. It's a problem. Yeah, yeah. And most people don't see this because it's not sold 100%. to them in reality. Um, so yeah, tenant buyers is phenomenal. That's just one. And I did this for myself three times yeah, yeah. where I just took on properties. And think about this, properties that are on the market for sale mm. and also to rent. Yeah. Have you ever seen a house that's up on the market for sale? Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. owner of that house is saying, I really, really, really want to sell. <laughs> I don't want to get rid of it. Yeah, I really want to sell, but I've reluctantly decided to put it up for rent because I'm maybe struggling with the payments. Yeah. If it's up for sale and to rent, it's empty. Yeah, yeah. So they're probably covering two mortgages, mm. covering two payments. They've probably we, moved on themselves yeah. and just got this sitting here. We come along and go, we really, really, really want to buy, but could we rent it first and buy it later? Yeah, yeah. Rent to buy. Yeah, yeah. It's the, they're, they're screaming at you rent to buy. It's all over the place. And, and thank you for sharing that. And the reason I asked you to share that is because it hopefully it will inspire some of you listening to this and watching this right now to, to get creative. Because at the end of the day, you, a lot of us talk ourselves, like you said, talk yourself mm. out of stuff. If you could talk yourself out of stuff, it presupposes you can talk yourself into, into stuff. stuff. Right? Yeah. And you've just given someone a clear example of, of that. And like you said, I, I, I was sitting there going, I wish Some people charge thousands for that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> You're getting it for free on the Mind Over Money podcast. Isn't that cool? But, but I honestly wish I had a flip chart there so people can visualize this and mm. see it. But in reality, what's happening every day, people are going out there paying loads of money in rent. And I, I love how you've reframed the it because that makes so much sense. Mm. It's like if you can afford, I don't know, two grand a month in rent, then you can 100% afford a two grand a month mortgage, which will get you a way bigger and better place than where you're paying for right now. Yeah. And and it's transferring that it, as you described, into a different vehicle, but getting creative enough yeah. and having you know the, the self-confidence to go out there and approach someone. And I think, you know, I suppose the final learning on that is, is everybody has a problem and they meet people who meet, you know, solve those problems for them. So for example, that landlord who's selling it and renting it, yeah. they clearly have a problem. So do you. And together, you solve each other's problems. Yeah. And, that, and it's, un, it's going back to that whole complementing each other scenario. But it takes a seven level of mindset to go out there and do that. Because again, a normal person who didn't have the mindset to do that will probably go, well, I don't own my own property yet and that landlord does and they're probably richer than me and they've got more money than me and all this crap starts going off yeah. in your head and you think they're more powerful than you when they actually have a problem that you can solve. Solve. Pro- and you bring value to that equation. Property is a people business, yes. not a property business. Yeah, it's not okay. a house business or a number business. Okay. It's a people business. Yeah, 100%. Solve somebody else's problem, you make money. Yeah, 
I love that. I love that. So, Kevin, look, we could talk all day. I'm very sure. You know, it's, it's almost one of those chats where I felt we, we should both have a beer in our hand or something like that. But, you know, maybe maybe next time. Who knows? But, Kevin, um, thank you for being on the show. How Fair can pleasure. people follow you? How can they connect with you? How can they get more from you? And, and the reason I say that is because it's not just about property. Um, you and I have known each other for a while now. And, you know, we speak on same stages and we, we serve audiences together. And it's not just about property it, it it's about wealth creation in general and one of the things i love about your style is how you 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 explain it in such a way that makes makes it feel like it's possible so how can people connect with you more follow you get more guidance from you more wisdom how can i do that first of all before i answer that do you know why i explain it in a way that makes it feel possible yeah because it is possible 100 percent. there's only what i hear people all the time they go oh, that's impossible you can't do that etc mm. there's only one thing that's impossible mm. and i challenge you on this the audience one <laughs> thing that's impossible if you listen to this think about it if it's possible if you could, if the mind can conceive something it can achieve it 100 it's impossible to think an impossible thought you've just made that seem possible <laughs> it's impossible to think an impossible yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah. How can you find me? Um, I'm not a burger. So, Kevin, <laughs> what I mean by I'm not Are a you burger. You're fully cooked. You're not half I know cooked. I mentioned burgers earlier, but I'm not a, what I mean by I'm not a burger You're not is. You're going to get a dodgy burger. Everybody looks at me, right? As Kevin, it's McDonnell, not the burger. So they go on, they go, I mean, I'm on the phone to Talk Talk or something, and they're like, McDonald's. whoever. And I'm like, Kevin McDonnell, MC. And they're like, MAC, no MC, MAC, no MC. So it's MC. 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 Mick Donnell, D-O-N-N-E-L-L. So two N's, two L's. Yep. Mac, and even though I've said this, people will be typing it at home, Donnell. Mac. So Kevin, Mick, MC, Donnell, D-O-N-N-E-L-L. Yeah, um, it'll be in the show notes often. In uh, my own podcast, it's often in the show notes wrong. So <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is, right? In my own podcast. <laughs> so um, yeah, I host the Progressive Property Podcast. Yes. Um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Wherever, just Clubhouse, find me, anywhere. Clubhouse, find me online. KevinMcDonald.co.uk is the yeah, website. Yeah. Clubhouse. Yeah. yeah, if you go on Google, you can't really miss me. Connect to you. Unless you're looking for a burger. <laughs> but thank you so much for being here. I appreciate no worries, you being appreciate on the show. It really means a lot to me. And remember, look, if you're listening to this, watching this at any point, if anything that's resonated with you during this show, please do me a favor. Don't just think about it. Start implementing it. We've just shared some incredible stuff on the show. Hopefully you got value from it. If you did, make sure you like and subscribe on your preferred platforms. Make sure that you go visit the show notes and check out how you can connect with Kevin, myself, and all the other great things that we do. And be, be sure to share it. Someone out there might need to listen to this right now. and You'll be doing them a favor, especially that last little nugget from Kevin around finding your dream home. So Kevin, thanks again, mate. Appreciate you. Cheers. Being on the show. Cheers. Good to be on. Thank you. See you, everyone. You've been listening to the Mind Over Money podcast with Jess and James. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on all the channels. Links in the show notes. Please also leave a review and visit www.jessandjames.com to find more resources on how to create the life you deserve.